Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is brought to you by Assembly Coworking Space. Assembly has been home to some of Calgary's brightest tech startups and small businesses for almost a decade. If you're looking for a coworking space, check out assemblycs.com. This episode is hosted by Peter Bodway. Peter manages strategy and partnerships for an innovative alliance of energy companies committed to reducing environmental impacts through collaborative R&D efforts. Peter worked for more than 20 years in Asia, building and investing in a variety of businesses. His most recent role outside of Canada was with the World Wildlife Fund, where he was the chief executive officer of WWF China, based in Beijing. Prior to that, Peter lived in Hong Kong for 15 years working in the technology industry. Let's join Peter now as he and Amy Henry have a conversation about commercialization of Canadian technology companies. So thanks, Al. My name is Peter Bodwin, and I'll be the host of today's Rainforest podcast. Today's guest is Amy Henry, the CEO of Unique Ventures, a Houston-based commercialization accelerator that's helping Canadian technology companies get to their first field trial with global customers. So firstly, welcome, Amy. Welcome, Peter. Thank you for having me. So can you tell us a little bit about Unique Ventures and the problem you're looking to solve? Yeah, sure. We had started working on the concept of Unique Ventures in 2017, and we officially launched it with our alliance partners at that time was Equinor, Hess, and Anadarko in January of 2018. And at that time, which was actually Statoil, they were our kind of our anchor in putting this open innovation model. So, that, so there were two kind of thematics of what we were trying to address as an industry, because we're also ex-industry people. One is the, the whole fragmented process for startups as they have to come up with their idea, you know, develop an MVP, trying to get it validated, trying to get, you know, funding. It's a very disconnected process, right? And then it was also then looking at, you know, all of the technologies that energy companies needed, right? In this huge valley of death. And there's, you know, looking at there's, there's a better way to do things. How do we accelerate that in such a way that we end up with uh, more adopted technologies? I mean, right now, can you discuss a little bit about Energy Next and your partnership with Foresight? Yeah, I will. And then I'll kind of just first kind of open up kind of the, the broad building blocks of what it, what we did with Unique and how we carried those in through the Energy Next program, right? So the foundational elements of when we put Unique together was we wanted to keep companies whole so no IP is taken from the company. It's, it's how do we extend the runway for companies. That means, you know, bringing in early stage capital, different forms of capital providers so that they can actually get to a field trial and pilot and then offering paid field trials for companies with the ability of these startups or technology companies to be able to use these companies' names. So, you know, going back to, you know, we started this in early 2018 with Unique. You know, we work globally. It's a, it's a huge kind of hub and collaboration model. So we worked extensively here. We're based in Houston in Texas with the Canadian Trade Organization and General Counsel. And so what we ended up with, it was in 2019 maybe, 
2020, we were having just a, a huge inflow of Canadian technology companies. I think one year we had seriously screened over 500 of them, you know, which was great. You know, our alliance partners, we liked them, but we said, okay, this is this really efficient, right? Because, you know, very familiar, you know, you know, Canadian government and provinces spent a lot of money and time on these companies early stage. You know, why aren't they having these pilot opportunities up in Canada? And at the same time, we said, okay, listen, a bilateral bridge makes sense between Houston and Canada because there are some companies that we said, okay, maybe having a field trial makes more sense up in Canada. And then with that, from a Canadian standpoint, that creates your foreign direct investment. You have companies then setting up within Canada, employing people and and vice versa. Right. So it was really about how do we, you know, officially establish what I call an energy bridge, right? And then hence, this is what really Energy Next was supposed to be is a, a, a virtual energy hub or bridge, you know, between the work that we do and the work that's being done in the clean tech space up in Canada. With that, we developed this radar program, right? Because what, what we do when we spend a lot of time with companies, because we roll up our sleeves and our alliance partners, which are industry, expect us to carry these companies through uh, commercialization, is really getting them ready to actually pitch their technology value proposition and their technology stack and defining, explaining to them what would a pilot look like for, you know, that particular energy company. So we created a four-week program, and it's not, you know, an everyday classroom program. It's based on their needs. Getting them ready to present a a more technical pitch to industry. So, you know, we've done two, I'll call intakes of this. So our, our judges have been from, you know, Shell, of course, Technique, FMC, has Saudi Aramco, NOV, Baker Hughes, New Frontiers, Total. I know I'm going to miss, miss a bunch of Shell, BP, BHP. So it's really bringing, you know, and it's also a showcase, right? It's also, you know, this is available to anyone. There's no fees with this, you know? It's a no, you're not losing anything. You can go through this free program and get real feedback from customers, and, and they will tell you what they think of your technology. This is great. I mean, it's interesting. I want to explore a little bit more about the the process itself of the four weeks and what the startups sort of learn or, or engage on. But I want to take a step back. You mentioned like, you know, all you know, hundreds of companies, Canadian companies going to Texas looking for market access. I mean, of those, I mean, how many of those were looking for pilots? Are you because some of them could be early stage, later stage. We're talking, is it hundreds of companies? A lot. A lot were working pilots. And so, you know, we're still we're still having this conversation to under, you know, really understand this because we think it's it's extremely important to engage the entrepreneurs and startups themselves. Right? We, we, we have this problem in Houston. Right. This is not this is a global issue. Right. You know, we hear something on the ground from the, the entrepreneurial community. But then when we talk to the energy companies or the oil and gas companies, they have a different viewpoint. They're two different stories. Right. You know, you know, you know the, the oil and gas companies will say, okay, we see these startups are not that good, or you know, we do pilots, but the startups will say, oh, they're not innovative, they move too slow, they take too long. If we come to the U.S., of course, we have a lot of unconventional players, right, and, and small and mid-cap players too, and and they're willing to take more risk, and it's easier for us to go on a more accelerated 
path, right? But those are their perspectives, right? And, and then it's, it's, it's how are we going to bridge these two worlds between the two? Right. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the actual program. So the you know, it's a four week intensive getting ready for pilot. What does that four weeks look like? Is that every day in a classroom or one or two days a week? It's just a couple of days a week. Right. And, and, and they're focusing on different aspects. And there's, and there's no people have asked us, well, what's the technology thing? It's no, it's the best of the, of the startups who've applied that we've seen, you know, to the program. Course, we'd like to see more Canadian companies. So it could be anywhere from ESG type technology. It could be pure hydrogen. It could be CCUS. It could be even traditional AI, um, you know, VR type. It, it can be anything, you know, what is, what is going to move the needle. But it's first starting, what is the biggest issue companies have is the value proposition, right? We have to spend a lot of time of really tweaking and fine tuning the value proposition. This is a recurrent issue. And then define what, what their business use case is, right, for industry. And sometimes it involves a lot of reframing and sometimes a little bit of pivoting on that. And then looking at their competitor landscape, further defining that, because a lot of times that's not really fully built out. But really the bulk of the time is spent on the business use case and defining that pilot and showing showcasing that technology roadmap, right? So it's very clear to an industry player to understand you're showing me what you have right now. What is your technology stack going to look like over the next two to three years? You know, what are some of your key milestones? Okay. If you want to pilot for me, you know, what does that look like? When do you need, do you need to raise funding at the same time? We're staying away from the financials. We're really staying away from your, your total addressable market, that these are not the concerns that industry has in their minds, you know, at when they're first scanning and scouting these technologies. And then we, we look at the scoring on them. I mean, we use very broad categories. And, and where companies always fall short, typically, is with the value proposition, right? That's interesting because there's a lot of uh, programs in Canada that can get these startups ready with the value proposition. So if I understand correctly, even though they've gone like my understanding is at least they should be getting some of that support in Canada before getting ready to go down. So is it still is it just a refinement of the value proposition or is it really now that we're going, OK, if you really want a pilot, you're going to have to really address your value proposition to, to, to around that pilot. I'm just interested in understanding, like, because in four weeks, that's a lot of a lot of material to get through, to get your value prop, to get your, I'm wondering how that works. A lot of times it's retweaking. So, so some people, I mean, and this is not just energy industry, right? I mean, this is across the board. I also am on the board of, of TAI, which is an in, in uh, entrepreneurial network too. And we, we also mentor and help startups across all verticals. And we also work with universities. This is the this is the number one problem is that value proposition. Now for energy, we have to understand what, what, what segment of the market are you targeting? Who would be your first kind of beachhead market and who are those customers? So that value proposition is going to have to be framed and defined differently for each of those customers. And sometimes it's a language issue of really knowing that industry player and what they're looking for in terms of the application of that technology, right? 
So Shell may look at for something diff very differently, say, versus a Technip FMC. Doesn't mean that those two can't be your, your target customers, but you have to frame the, the value proposition differently. Just like you should have a different pitch deck for every customer. You really should. Yeah. They wanted to explore that a bit. So they've got, they go through this four week program and at the end they have the opportunity to pitch to major customers, right? That's what I understand. And, and so what, what does a, a pilot look like? Like, what are they looking for? Now I'll ask around it, let's say the Canadian customers, cause I'm assuming, you know, cause a Canadian organization will go down. What are the types of, of pilots they're looking for? Well, they're very open on the pilots. You know, they're just looking to see, you know, what do you want from me as a company, right? You know, in terms of, and I'll look at it and say, okay, if I, if I look at it, what is the scale you're going to start at, right? And sometimes I may say, okay, this is your, your first pilot. I'm going to say, this is not big enough for me to consider paying you for a pilot. I need to reach another capacity level before I'll actually start doing a, a trial with a startup, right? That's an important feedback to hear, for example. Yeah. Or they may say, you know, we're currently doing two or three pilots in the space, right? But I may be just only from you, though, I see something in your technology that I don't see from these other technology companies I'm looking at. I like to explore this aspect of your technology a little bit further. So it's really, you know, having that fluid conversations. But then what we do is we take these conversations offline and then we have one-on-one conversations with our industry partners. So sometimes they say, oh, you really need to partner with someone. I think it would be great for you to partner with this other company because they know they're already working with someone. And so they will provide that kind of feedback of, of where they think they might be a good partner for you to work with. They may say, okay, listen, this is not our priority right now. We're going to really focus on this in Q3 and you're hitting me at Q1. It's just not on my priority right now, or it's not going to be a priority until the beginning of next year. So the timing is a huge issue. So when we talk about pilots, the interesting thing you said is the pilots are also funded by the potential customers, correct? So, I mean, what, what's, I mean, and, and so let's explore that. I mean, what's the size of a pilot some of these organizations would be expecting? Because you're, you mentioned earlier that it has to be big enough where to entice that potential customer to invest, correct? So What's the scope of a type of uh, pilot? I love it. I'm going to give you my CPA answer. It's called, it depends. I mean, for digital, if I, if I, if I pick digital technologies, you know, they, they do pilots in the range of just starting at $20,000. I may just do a, a quick four week. I may do a quick bench trial is what we call, you know, really rapid, or I may give you some of my data. So some of this is us, you know, Dragging and pulling sometimes, I have to say, but it's, you know, sitting with them and say, listen, in order for us to validate and, and really get you to look at this technology, this is the data we need from you, energy company A, and, and then we kind of run a bench trial process and then go back. So, you know, those can range from only from, you know, small twenty to $50,000 type of pilots. They're short term. They're very quick and rapid, you know, anywhere from, you know, four to six weeks, three months kind of range. There have been other ones where, you know, you're looking at flaring, for example, and where you say, okay, I'm shutting in wells. I, I also have other acreage I'm not developing. I've reached my limit. There's technologies where I can take that gas and I can convert it to electricity. So a pilot like that just on the, the equipment side will run a million plus U.S. dollars. But it's, that's where the alliance would say, okay, listen, and that's where they say we, we're responsible for this. 
they take the conversation offline and say, okay, I really want to do this pilot. There may be others that are interested. They'll reach an arrangement if they choose to do so to cost share or figure out, you know, who's going to pick up to pay for what, because these are very kind of open-minded individuals, but they understand and they know that some of these pilots are expensive. And so that's part of the reason for the model is that's why they want us to work through commercialization. We do health checks. We go through stage gate process because if I'm going to spend organizational time, I'm not taking IP, you know, I'm going to pay you, you're going to have some working capital as a company. I want to make sure you're going to be around post pilot. The worst thing is I spend a million dollars and then you just kind of poof disappear. Right. Yeah. So then what is the company actually looking for? Because, you know, if, if like you say, they're not taking IP and they're investing, so they want to ensure they're around, but are they looking for a discount on the first sale or are they looking for exclusive rights or anything of that? No, no, none of that. Because, you know, we have to be very clear as an industry, we can't be seen as being anti-competitive. So it's based upon free market principles. So, you know, of course, if, if you're the one that says, you know, I'm going to try it and, try it, and, and the results are shared amongst the other alliance partners. They decide what's shared up front and is shared. But, you know, they're free to negotiate with the startup, you know, the terms and conditions. It's, it's a, a you know, quid pro quo. They decide that it's a, it's a free exchange. Startup needs help. You know, we request that we look at it to make sure the startup is asking you know, a high enough asking price, right? And, you know, there, there is no, oh, you can only work for me for the next couple of years or I get so preferred terms. None, none of that. None of that is a lot. Okay. So for the Canadian companies, I mean, just tell me a little bit about how many Canadian companies had gone through your recent uh, programs. Because I think you had said you'd run two cohorts to date. So how many Canadian companies were, were involved? Very few. Not enough. I'm looking for them. And I know they're there, Right. I know they're there. So we've had a handful. A recent one, I believe, was opted in the last batch that ran. Great picture, you know, very succinct and, and to the point. And we had, oh, I'm going to, Hydrodyne ran through the first intake, and they were also attending the RICE program for their clean tech accelerator as well in parallel. So that was another Canadian company that attended. Oh, and then there's another one. Now, he's doing operations optimization out in the field. Wave not. And I love Ian, right? Oh, he's a great presenter and, and people really, really like him. And he's very easy to, to work with. But, you know, there's more technology. I mean, there's more companies out there. It's just we just have to get the word out because it's open to everybody. I mean, not yeah. just Canada, everywhere. Sure. So yeah, just to clarify, I mean, you do you, now going forward, you're going to be doing a few cohorts a year. So if, if companies are interested, they should engage, correct? Yeah. Of course. I mean, we look at companies continuously, so I don't want people to get caught up into on the course. But we, when we run these programs, we run them quarterly. So we'll run them four times a year. Now, we would have liked to be in Canada. We have, I actually have a Canadian company, but, you know, because of COVID, we couldn't travel up there. So, you know, I'm hoping with this, you know, beginning of 2022, you know, and it's about, it's not about unique, it's about building the local capabilities. So it's really important as we build this out for unique in this hub concept for us to have local Canadians kind of run and we shape the, you know, kind of the unique model for the Canadian markets and the Canadian entrepreneurial community. And this is the whole reason why it was built as an open innovation model. It's not a one size fits all. You've got to be able to kind of shape and fix, you know, shape and flex it and pivot it. 
So we're not here to duplicate, just like here in Houston. I mean, we, I work with Greentown Labs, Mass Challenge, Plug and Play, Generator, you know, all, all the guys, you know, tech stars, you know. So can I ask, I mean, so if, like, you know, I, if you're a company, a startup company sitting in Canada and you go, yeah, we really like to consider a pilot down in, you know, through Unique, how do they know they're ready? You know, because obviously you say you guys will still help them develop their value proposition, but they should at least be ready. And, you know, they're a high enough technology readiness level that they're ready for field trial, right? So, you know, they're not, they're not at the, you know, They've gone from beaker to bucket. Now they're going from, you know, barrel. What is it? Bucket to barrel, right? They're getting bigger. They're, they're actually, they got to be ready for, for a larger pilot, correct? Well, what we said is, we it's kind of a, there's a dual prong to this, right? It depends on, everyone's got their own definition of clean tech. New, I just call it energy, right? I'm not going to get into the splicing of the hairs bit. But if I talk about, you know, kind of traditional even oil and gas optimizations or emissions, yes, we would like to see a certain TRL level, right? That they're at an MVP. However, for some of the, the new t- newer technologies, even where we don't have any commercial markets yet that are being developed and also from a circular economy, we are running those companies through this program, even if they're only a TRL five. And the reason why is it's really important for them to get early feedback from customers because the landscape is changing so fast. So if I say, if I look at hydrogen, all of a sudden now we believe the the preferred carrier for hydrogen is going to be ammonia, but that's just of recent, right? So if we were allowing these hydrogen companies to develop their tech without getting that input of, of how energy think companies are thinking of this, it really delays them and, and they can really lose traction. So you, we want to look at companies that are, you know, at that pilot stage, kind of at a TRL six, seven and above, but at the same time, you know, those kind of I'll call fascinating or even when consider more kind of your, more of your game changing technologies, we will consider them. So, I mean, I would say everyone just apply. The point of when the team work, works with Foresight, we look at the, these companies when they apply, it's five-minute application process, is we say, okay, where, where are they? Are they right for the radar program? If it's a Canadian company, are, are they more suited to start with, you know, their, their deliver program or an earlier program first? Or do we think that they don't even need to go to the radar program? Do we just take them through our normal process where we just present them directly through our technical steering committees with industry when they're just, just looking for pilots, right? So there are some times when we just bypass it. So that's why it's important for people to apply is we're trying to put them in that right entry point. No, so that's great. Thanks, Amy. I guess is if listeners want to know more about Unique Ventures and the U, the Energy Next program, what should they do? Well, they can also, they can go to our website. They can, you know, www.uniqueventures.com. They can contact me, but Thomas, the CEO, really runs the, you know, the day-to-day program. So it's thomas.henry at uniqueventures.com because they are regularly meeting with startups every week. But I think easiest thing is just put your application on our website. It takes less than five minutes. We don't want to see confidential information. And so that way they, they can see, you know, what you, what you have and what you're working on. And then they'll, they'll usually set up a, a one-hour meeting. 
just to have a discussion with you, just to really learn more about your technology. Amy, I want to say thanks for your time today. Well, thank you. And we want to see, because we, we've screened a lot of Canadian companies, so we know there are a lot more out there. And then I think what's interesting for next year is we just recently had a closed door industry roundtable here in Houston with our companies. So, you know, we're looking at a kind of a unique 2.0 that will be rolling out next year. So they're, they're giving us feedback of what do they want to see in a pitch presentation. So it may be a little bit more prescriptive than companies are, are looking for, but I think that's very good. And we're looking at how do we get groups of customers to define the requirements collectively up front so that startups don't have to go around shopping to their customers. So I think next year will be a, a new and very interesting year for companies with more opportunities. Okay. Well, look, again, I want to say thanks for your time, Amy. Thank you. And I'm glad, I'm glad I could join and at least reach out to, to the Canadian audience since we they were here in Houston this week for the World Petroleum Congress. And let's just keep that momentum going. Well, I know you took some time out of your busy week. I know you were out. Yes. So thanks again for your time. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. And thanks for listening today. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by Assembly Coworking Space. If you're looking for a co-working space, check out assemblycs.com. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>